Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the House Hinky Built Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jackson Frank, and per usual, I host this on Spotify Greenroom. Today, I'm going solo. I know I was gone for about a week. I was enjoying some fun basketball, some great company in Las Vegas, um, but I'm here to to recap the Sixers Summer League action. Uh, not necessarily the games themselves, but um, the key players. So plan on doing that today and tomorrow. Um, we're going to kick it off with, I think, the four most uh, interesting players that you know that are going to be part of the Sixers roster next season in Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joe, Paul Reed, and Jaden Springer. Tomorrow we'll talk about Philip Petrushev, uh, Aaron Henry, Rajon Tucker, and maybe uh, Dacian Nix and Braxton Key, a couple of guys who also caught my eye during this run. Um, but I'll just kind of talk about what I saw from from these four guys, um, what I think is important, where they where they shine, where they're still kind of uh, room to grow for them. Um, I, as always, I want there to be, you know, people can ask questions. If anything comes up, you want to come on stage, more than happy to, to welcome that as well. Um, but obviously the place to start is with, with Tyrese Maxey. He was kind of the star. Or he was absolutely the star on this, this summer league team. Only played a couple of games. He had a pre-approved, uh, pre-approved absence, whatever you want to call it, to go, go host a camp in his home, his hometown down in Texas. So, um, but he was pretty awesome in his his uh, his time with the Summer Sixers in a couple of games. Uh, opened it with 21 points in a blowout win against the Mavericks, and then had 31 in an overtime win against Sharif Cooper and the Hawks. Uh, during Summer League, uh, he averaged, um, where is he here? Uh, 26 points, 5.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 2 turnovers, 60.7% uh, true shooting. 50% from uh, field, 28.6% from three, 90.9% uh, from the line. Uh, wasn't great from three, of course, but the big number there, he got seven attempts up per game in a couple of games. Uh, good for a three-point rate of just under 40% or so. Um, hit some really tough threes. Two looked really confident in his three. Um, a thing last year throughout the season was, you know, his, his lack of willingness from three, especially early in the year, got better. I think once he kind of re-entered the rotation, but um, was taking a lot of shots that I don't think you would have seen him take uh, for most for most of his rookie season. Now the question, you know, must be addressed: Was that more a a product of having a longer leash? He knows he could take that those step back threes, those quick pull up threes without being ta- you know being taken out of the game. Um, that's not necessarily that's that's not my read on it, but that's just something I want to price into. It's not like all of a sudden Tyrese Maxey is going to be comfortable. We shouldn't assume he's going to be comfortable taking step back threes, you know, in games um, because he won't be the star on on the Sixers next season. Um, but I do think it was encouraging overall from for kind of his outside outside shooting development, um, the diversity of threes he took. Um, hit a pretty ridiculous step back three in the first game. Hit another one in the second game against the Hawks. I was really hunting them, in, especially in that second game. I thought down the stretch in the second half. Uh, so that that was encouraging. I thought. Uh, again, like, yeah, you, you would like to see him hit more than, you know, go, go better than four or 14 from three, but such a small sample that you're more looking for the process there. And I think the process of the way in which he sought out threes off the dribble was very encouraging. Um, would have been interesting to see kind of him play off the ball a little more um, because that's kind of what he's going to be doing alongside Joel Embiid and, and Tobias Harris and, uh, and Ben Simmons or whoever they trade Ben Simmons for, you know, who will factor prominently in the offense. So, um I was generally, I think, generally speaking, you should be encouraged by those two games for Maxi as it pertains to his his three point development, and the confidence there. Um, but you do have to price in the fact that he he was the main guy here. I don't think it's necessarily indicative of the type of shots he'll feel comfortable taking um, 
at the you know, in, in the NBA in you know kind of an NBA setting or she's a regular season setting. Of course, summer league is still an NBA setting. But um, the other thing that I thought he did well uh, was he, he sought out some some space creation from the mid range and some tough pull ups there. Um, if he can kind of have that little in between game, I'm not talking about the floater, but that in between pull up game uh, because he's not always going to be able to get to the rim or get to that floater. Um, but I thought he he countered well a couple of times in that he wasn't able to get all the way to the rim or get to that floater, um, but he was able to look comfortable with you know an off balance leaner, a, a, not a runner, but an off balance leaner, uh, pull ups, things like that um, that aren't necessarily the sort of shots we always saw him take inside the arc last year, which were largely the the runners, the floaters, uh, the the finishes around the rim, uh, things like that. So I thought those were some encur- encouraging flashes as well because. Obviously, one of the biggest things Maxi brings you know, is is that kind of that on-ball creation. Of course, he's going to play off-ball at times, and that's where you want to see where he's spot up three at next season. But uh, I did like the kind of the mid-range pull-up that he got to because I think that's an important part of his game or will be an important part of his game because he's not always going to be able to get all the way to the rim or, or find those floaters, face those floaters. So um, those are some things I really like to see him do well, or I thought he did well in his couple of games. Um, one thing I didn't necessarily see a ton of, which I don't know is so much an indictment of him, but it was just something I was left wanting to see more of, um, which again, is not initially criticism, but I want to see more passing volume from him. Um, I think that's going to be a very important part of his development is what sort of passer does he become. You know, I think he is fairly comfortable with some of those skip passes out of pick and rolls. Um, but I think a lot of times last year in his rookie season, you saw him not be super comfortable balancing passing versus shooting as a driver. Uh, and now we didn't have to do that a ton in his couple of games in summer league because, you know, he did shoot um, 15 of 24 inside the arc. Uh, if my math is correct, there he went four of 14 from three and 19 of 38 overall. So 15 of 24, just about 63% on twos. As he's 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", guard, that is excellent. So uh, it's not really, a, like you didn't really have to have him, you know, make passing reads, a ton of passing reads or passing decisions inside the arc. But I just wanted to see more volume there um, because I am curious to see where his passing growth lands this next season. Um, did have a pretty nice play in the second game against the Hawks where he um, got downhill and had a nice little live dribble swing pass to Isaiah Joe for an open three. Uh, conversely, in the first game, he had an off-target skip pass. Um, I think he also had another skip pass in the second game that was maybe a little late for off-target. Um, I want to say it was I want to say it was in the first half he was making a skip pass from the right to the left against the Hawks, and it was a little bit to the to the left side of where the shooter should have gotten it. Right, not right, not not right in his pocket. Um, so that's so that's just something that I felt, you know, I was curious about entering summer league, um, but because of the way he was scoring inside the arc, we didn't see as much of it. So, will be something I'm looking for when it comes to the preseason in a month or so, month and a half, and then also in the regular season because I do think he will be uh, get a chance as a rotation guy to open the year. So curious to see where exactly the passing lands. Um, this just was not the circumstance or the context for him to have to really make a lot of difficult passing reads or really, you know, accrue a lot of passing reps. But that's just something to monitor there. Um, another thing I want, I did want to see him improve is, or I did think was better, but could leave, could become even better is the handle. Um, I think it's a little shiftier than it was both at Kentucky and his rookie year. Um, he may have he had one nice in and out to get low, maybe had a, a good crossover to reject a screen and get to the lane. Um, but the next step for him, I think, is really being able to make it a seamless move in terms of, you know, executed dribble move with his handle, 
uh, and then also seamlessly move downhill at the same time. Right now, it's a little bit of a one-two, so it's a one-step, two-step process. So it's a two-step process, excuse me there. Um, and so I think sometimes that inhibits him effectively covering ground as as efficiently as he should, which is important, especially at his size. Um, you contrast it to a guy like Sharif Cooper, who is really, really good uh, at kind of moving downhill while kind of synchronizing his dribble moves at the same time. Um, again, Sharif has a really awesome handle, so that's not necessarily the standard you should hold a guy like Maxi to, but I think that will be an important development that the handle has grown, but the next step is kind of making it more seamless when he wants to operate downhill in conjunction with the dribble move. So that's the next thing for me. Um, the other thing when working downhill that I, I want to, to see to still for him to improve uh, is I think he's a little overeager getting downhill and pick and rolls. I think there were a few times, especially in that second game where he would be too quick to go downhill and ball screens and he wouldn't, he would, uh, he would close a passing window on a pocket pass to Paul Reed or whoever else the roller was. Um, there were just times I made note of that while watching the, those games. Um, these are minor things, really, but I do want to be pretty thorough with my analysis of Maxi's performance in two games because I think he's the most important guy to, you know, assess performance. Um, he he's going to be, I think, pretty important to the Sixers just because of his ability to play defense and uh, attack the rim, get downhill. They really need that from the guard position. So, uh, would like to see him have a little more pacing in those pick and rolls and not be so eager to get downhill that you ignore maybe a passing window that's available, which I thought happened a few times. Um, just minor things here. I'm really nitpicking because overall he was really, really good. Averaging 26 on 61% true shooting in a couple of games with that improved confidence from three uh, is important. Uh, defensively, the one thing I wanted to see him improve, that was a thing last year a lot, was he still a bit jumpy um, on that and he'll bite for some shot fakes or some you know body angles or body feints, I guess. Um, but overall, he was really good, I thought, using his physicality and strength for a guard on and off the ball. Especially that first game gave Tyrell Ter- Tyro Terry a ton of issues. Um, just really, Tyrell really struggled to get efficient looks or quality looks as an on-ball creator. Um, did good to top-lock Terry a couple of times, if I recall. Um, just really physical for a guard of that size, really quick to um, so navigate his screens well. So um, in general, I thought Terry Maxey was very good. I don't think he was quite the dominant player you want to see, um, but I do think you should be generally encouraged by what you saw from a guy entering his second year. Um, there are things to improve, as I mentioned, but uh, Maxi, I thought, had a very positive showing in a couple of, of his games. Uh, but it was a bit of a bummer to not get two more games out of him. Obviously, he needs to do what he has to do in terms of you know being a presence in his community, but um, from an analysis standpoint, you know it would have been enjoyable to get a couple more games of film out of him, but my only does not me criticizing his decisions. Um, just something I would like to see more, you know, just want more tape on him because he is a really intriguing guy, guy that I've been quite effusive, effusive in my praise of, but um, as you enter year two, there are things that I, I definitely think he needs to clean up and just want more film on that. But in general, I think as a Sixers fan or as a you know, member of the Sixers organization in some capacity, you should feel pretty encouraged or very encouraged by what you saw in Tyrex Mackey's two summer league games. Um, let's shift over to his, uh, you know, his, second-year teammate uh, in Isaiah Joe, a little bumpier, consistent of a, a showing from him in his four games. You know, he averaged 14 points, uh, four rebounds. Let me double-check here, excuse me, make sure I'm not incorrect, but 14 points during his time in Vegas. Uh, where are we going here? Excuse me. Apologize for this, but uh, 
Summer League. 14 points, 4.8 rebounds, 3.3 assists, uh, 0.8 steals uh, on 53.8% true shooting, uh, 34.7% from the field, 37.5% on 10 three-point attempts per game from three, uh, and he hit all seven of his free throws. Uh, The big thing still for him is the interior scoring just is not there. Um, Two of nine on twos, similar thing last year. He was not good from two-point range. Um, whether it's the strength, the handle, a burst, none of that is really there for him as a two-point score right now. Um, in fairness to him in general, like the efficiency wasn't great, but he did have to shift to a much bigger on-ball creation load once Maxi left Vegas. Uh, and in the second game of that time against the Wolves, he was, he was largely guarded by Jaden McDaniels, who is a very good on-ball defender, very good defender in general. Um, so that skews some of the numbers there. Um, but for him, you know, I think there were some encouraging things. Uh, the screen navigation, you know, as just navigating screens defensively, I thought he was much better at um, this year than maybe compared to last season. Just got really low, stayed attached to guys, and did really well there. Um, I thought he had some really nice plays against Skylar Mays in that regard in the second game. Um, Mays hit some really tough shots, but the process there was was good from from Isaiah Joe. Um, the key the key thing with defense is to always realize that good defense is not always synonymous with, or is often not synonymous with impactful defense because it's often reliant on the four other guys around you. You can, you can do your job correctly, but if someone else screws up, that possession is going to be borne out in a positive for you in most impact stats, um, which was why you always have to be very careful with how you apply impact stats defensively, especially defensively on both ends. Something I'm getting a lot better at of trying to get better at. I think at times I've skewed too much in trusting the data um, versus my eye test there, um, but they should really work in harmony. That's a little bit of a tangent, but I uh, just thought Isaiah Joe did pretty well navigating screens. Um, I thought his off-ball defense in general was quite good, too, whether it was um, stunts and digs as an off-ball helper, um, some rotations on the interior there. I thought he was really good. Um, but then offensively, what I think was most encouraging was he had some really nice passing reads, especially in that game against the Hawks, which I think was his best game of summer league. Um, struggled a little bit otherwise there, but... Um, I think he had a nice little live dribble skip that was maybe a half a beat late. Um, had a couple of really nice passes, pocket passes, and I think in the first half of that game. Um, so that was really encouraging. Not that I think Isaiah Joe is going to be much of an on-ball guy. I don't think he's really shown that, um, given how much I think he generally struggled without Maxi. Um, but I do think maybe being a second side creator a little bit, that's, that's the one thing that I think Fur kind of had a huge leg up on him. If you're talking about the path to rotation minutes for Isaiah Joe this year, which I think a lot of Sixers fans um, are hoping to see, not that they want to see him displace Furcon, but they're hoping he takes steps forward uh, to to become that guy. And I think the path to that, or the way that Furcon really has a leg up on him, uh, is that second side creation, whether it's a shot fake and you know getting downhill, or you know making a passing read off of a second side dribble handoff or pick and roll things like that. So that'll be the path for him, I think, to really kind of usurping Furcon. Um, because right now he has a leg up on defense considerably. Um, Furcon's taken big strides. I've talked about this on, on streams and podcasts before, um, but I think Joe was at another level already. You saw how, how willing he is to embrace physicality, um, and I think if you show, if you kind of pair that with the improvements as a screen navigator off the ball, it's something I think he's much better at than Furcon. Um, that will continue to kind of distance them uh, defensively. Uh, he's good at the stunts, things like that. So that's where I was pretty dang encouraged by him defensively. Um, but just really liked the passing read. I think, again, if that's that's going to be his path. Now you kind of overtaking Furcon on the rotation, which I don't think is like, the, like the, the Sixers season doesn't hinge on this, but 
uh, I think, you know, you would hope that a guy, a second year guy who is a smart player, has some size, you know, might be able to overtake Furkan though. To Furkan's credit, as I've talked about extensively, he really has improved uh, over his four years in Philly. Four or three, I think it's four years at this point. Someone can correct me though if they know for sure. Um, but I like that from him. Um, but yeah, the on ball creation is just not there for him yet. Um, but I did think what he did well that I, you know, maybe with more physical development, if he can ever get there, he just is working from just a, such a deficit, you know, physically in terms of strength and whatnot. Um, but I think what I did, he did well was he did leverage his jumper quite smartly for an open driving lane. Now he's not equipped to capitalize on them, them yet. So the functionality isn't really there, but I like kind of some of the, you would get a triple threat off the catch and force defenders to really kind of lunge at him or you do a little shot fake and you get them off their feet and there'd be a driving lane there. Um, and so I think if the passing improvement is real, like it wasn't great all the time with the passing. Sometimes he was a little bit later inaccurate, but um, was better than what I think we generally saw as a rookie. Um, he had some stuff at Arkansas. People who know my work know I'm a huge fan, was a huge fan of Isaiah Joe as a prospect. He had some nice passing reads, but didn't quite translate I think, to the NBA as much as maybe my, maybe I'm just misremembering from my recollection. I didn't think it did, but I liked what we saw there. And so if you can kind of open driving lanes with the threat of that jumper, um, and maybe capitalizes a passer rather than a scorer, um, that would be huge for him. I did think he looked a little quicker uh, on the ball, um, but he's still just not there. I don't think it's to the point where you can really entrust him with on-ball reps. Apologies if I'm being repetitive here or redundant, but um, just kind of want to stress some of these points about Isaiah Joe. Um, liked a lot of what he did. I think there's definitely a chance he's a rotation guy next year, um, but I would be surprised if it's because of improved on-ball creation. I think it'll more come through the jumper just being in there. Again, a guy... A guy who can shoot off-movement threes at the rate that Isaiah Joe can uh, and the volume and the range that he's comfortable with. Again, he shot 43 in 110 minutes um, and hit 37.5% of them was 15 to 40 from three. Um, I think ideally you'd like to see him be more of a 38.5%, 39% guy than the 36.8% he was at last year and the 37.5% he was at here in Summerlee. Again, really small sample, just 43s, but I think he'll have to be closer to 38.5%, 39 40% next season. Um, which I think you can get to. I, I really do like him as a high-level shooter or the development of becoming one. Um, but that'll be important for him. I think that if you're looking for the way to for him to really kind of overtake Furkan as that wing shooter with some size and some viable defense, um, which I think Joe's is more than just viable, um, it'll be through a little more higher efficiency from three because the, I don't think the two-point efficiency is really going to grow much this year. Um, but I think it'd be that and maybe some of the passing reads as well. So, um, that's how I, that's kind of my assessment of Isaiah Joe's summer league performance. Um, generally encouraging. The context was pretty tough the last couple of games, asking to be an on ball creator a lot, especially against a high level defender like Jaden McDaniels. Um, so I don't want to take too much into the efficiency numbers um, because he really struggled in the Celtics games well, I think, just scoring the ball. Um, but also, I don't think he was great as a scorer in that game against the. Uh, against the, the Wolves as well yesterday. Paul, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Let me double-check here quickly. I'm trying to pull it up. Um, but, yeah, uh, 2 of 9 yesterday, 5-15. So, um, first couple of games, he was 10 of 25 for 36 points. Um, so, you can t- definitely tell the, the way in which having a guy like Max he's able to kind of bend the defense um, really helped him. So, um, that's my read on Isaiah Joe. Generally encouraged. Less so than Maxi, but I think he generally had a pretty positive – Showing in summer league, and I, I think there's absolutely a chance he's a rotation guy next year. I wouldn't bet on it necessarily, but finding wins of what I'd be surprised if kind of the, the versatile shooting and the versatile defense uh, 
maybe some pass improvements make him a, a low-end rotation guy next year. Um, let's shift gears to Paul Reed, though, um, a guy who put up a huge stat line in the Sixers' loss yesterday. Um, had 27 points, 20 rebounds, um, I think four steals and four blocks. Um, let me double-check here. Let's see. Um, I should have this in front of me, but let's go Summer League. Yeah, he had 27 points, 20 rebounds, four assists, four steals, four blocks, 11 of 17 shooting, two of three from deep, uh, three of three from the line. Um, but yeah, he so in his four games, um, people Paul averaged 17.5 points, 12.5 rebounds, two and a half steals, two and a half assists, two and a half blocks, and one turnover. Uh, shot 56% from the field, 33.3% from three, 85.7% the line, good for a 62.3% true shooting. Um, but I gotta say, um, as much as I think Paul, he did some good things, I think a lot of the stat line overstates impact. I thought it was generally a lot of impact or a lot of activity kind of accumulating those, those stats, honestly. Um, like I think among these three guys, I don't feel great about predicting him in in any sort of kind of like rotation role as a four man or even a small ball five at times against certain lineups. Um, because I just thought it was a lot of activity. But I just don't know how translatable it is. You know, he loves to have the ball in his hands and, you know, uh, you know, have a lot of dribble, dribble, dribble and, and face up or attack or pivot around and try and find little crevices for finishes around the rim. Um, still not really the kind of the pick and pop guy you want. He's much more comfortable attacking off the catch rather than shooting off the catch. And with the Sixers, he just is not worthy of that sort of long on ball leash. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be a guy you want to space the floor because under German won't space the floor. So if you're looking for a reason to play him as a small ball five, um, which is why I think he is, because I don't think his movement or skills or lateral mobility defensively is there to be a four, struggle navigating some screens. But point B is if you want to be a small ball five, it's going to have to be as a floor spacer. And I think he's far more comfortable attacking off the catch. And I think it's going to have to take some pretty big growth as a handler. Handler, um, I think his handle can be pretty high and loose. Um, loves going left off the catch. And I don't think his left his left-hand dribbling is really great right now. I think it'll get disrupted by a lot of stunts. Um, so point being, I think, for Paul Reed to really kind of take that step as a rotation guy, as a small ball five in, in certain matchups, um, it'll have to be through becoming more willing as a spot-up guy from three or a pick-and-pop guy because I don't think he's really there. Um, conversely, though, uh, I did think I liked a lot of the activity level defensively. thought I had some really nice plays in that game against the Hawks, you know, playing near the level of the screen, um, active hands. I think that's one thing, you know, I've – I've talked about a little bit kind of the idea of stylistic continuity. If you've heard my piece on Kemba Walker with the Knicks, I've talked about him with um, my Emmanuel quickly and Kemba. I've talked about a little bit with kind of the DHO stuff with Drummond and Embiid for second units. And I think there's some continuity there between Paul Reed and Andre Drummond that they're both best defensively in pick and roll, playing at the level of screen, using their active hands, things like that. And so I thought Paul was really good there. Um, you know, you have two and a half steals per game across the four games. Um, so that was encouraging there. And I think like, you know, I've talked about that for the second unit, a second unit that generally can be fairly um, offensively challenged. Um, I think being able to kind of force turnovers and, you know, get out and run for it and you know, create fast breaks, you know, because, you know, Doc's going to play a lot of bench heavy lineups. So Paul Reed can help, you know, create more transition opportunities where transitions, you know, more, just more effective offense, more efficient offense generally. And that's a useful thing. So that's a really good kind of feather in, in Paul Reed's cap if he can maintain that. Um, but on the other end of things, I thought his defensive technique as a help, helper was not great. 
I thought he was spacey off the ball. I thought when you try and contest shots, he wasn't great about staying vertical or kind of going straight up. He'd turn his body and things like that. Um, so I, I was worried there. Um, and I thought, the, I thought he forced a lot of passes. Now you could say the same, you could go back to the maxi argument that, I mean, when you're averaging 17 and a half points on 62% true shooting, you don't have to pass the ball a lot, but I thought his pass division, a lot of left to be desired. I thought he forced a lot of shots. Um, he made a lot of them, but I didn't love that from kind of projecting NBA POV, um, NBA perspective there. Again, you just don't know what the balance is between, is this the sort of player you're going to see with guys like Maxine Reed, um, like in the NBA or, or the regular season, or is it be, or is it what they do here more proud of the fact that they're the focal points they are going to have a longer, they're having much more leeway with the coaches to have in terms of kind of the decisions they make. I just don't know, but I wasn't, you know, I've talked about when I think when I kind of, um, summarize or recap Paul Reed's rookie year. I just talked about that. I thought he sort of a little bit adapting to a smaller role. Um, and so I just don't know how, like, how illuminating this sort of setting is for him where he's going to be a very good and impactful player. I just, I just don't know. It's really tough. I'm not trying to be overly critical of him, but I'm more just left, like, I, I leave watching his four games in Vegas, not knowing much about how to feel about him. You know, maybe he's a rotation guy this year. Like, I know it's not going to be as a four, really. I don't feel great about his ability to navigate screens off the ball or move laterally against fours and whatnot. Um, I think it could be as a five, but I just don't know how much we learned about him. Like I know he can put up stats and know his energy and activity are, are worthwhile things, especially on the glass. Um, you don't, you don't right, get 20 rebounds for nothing. If you're not kind of active there at times, um, just based off what I watched, I thought he was quite active on the glass. So, um, but I just don't know how much we learned. Like I think we saw Paul Reed be the, the MVP of the G league, um, which I think is a tougher setting than summer league. Um, so we know he can play like it's not a matter of that I just don't know what you take away from that in terms how much you can take away from knowing whether he can play as a rotation guy on a team that's trying to win a title um, because I think he struggled in that regard somewhat last year so for me the path is to becoming more willing from from three um, as a pick and pop guy maybe maybe he's already comfortable there but he wanted to see if he can expand more of his his slashing dribble drive game because to make that sort of something he can use to attack closeouts um thought he was a good cutter as well that that was useful for him which will be important i think because he's going to play off the ball a lot offensively in the nba um but it was just really tough for me to get a read on uh, for no pun intended on paul reed you know from a regular season nba standpoint um it just was tough um but defensively i love the activity you know the playmaking was so long and he's so long and agile reading things covering ground there um so that's encouraging but a fairly mixed bag for me. Not much of his doing so much as the context I don't think is, is very conducive to, to knowing more about who Paul Reed is as, as a regular season NBA player, or rotation player, I guess is the, the phrase I should be using. But um, things to be encouraged by, but um, kind of incomplete, similar to Maxi, but less so because I think Maxi clearly already is, a, is farther along in terms of or further along in terms of you know being a legit rotation guy. Um, whereas Paul, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a little while. And so for me, I hope they don't really put him play him in the G League next year. I think he would have much better serve practicing a ton, trying to adapt to an actual rotation NBA role. We know who he can be in the in the G League. He was one of the best players in the G League as a rookie, um, and so I, I hope for his development. Uh, he is a guy who spends his entire season with the, with the actual team, or I should say, with not without not with the Blue Coats. He's practicing a lot. He's playing a smaller role. He's understanding how we can kind of you know channel all this activity, all these kind of interesting skills and to actually be an rotation player. So that's where I stand on Paul Reed. Um, some good things, not so good things from 
his summer league performance, but overall, just an incomplete because I don't think the context is is best reflective of who he'll be in the NBA. Um, let's talk about one more guy, um, and Jaden Springer, the, the first round rookie. Again, for anyone who's joining late, I'll plan to do another stream tomorrow talking about some of the lesser guys and Philip Petrushev, Aaron Henry, Rajon Tucker, and then maybe Dacian Nix and uh, and uh, Braxton Key, a couple other guys who caught my eye who aren't draft picks or two way two way players, but. Um, feel free to ask me questions, request to come on stage. Um, the Springer one won't take super long because we probably only got about 10 minutes left of the stream. Um, but in the meantime, I am going to get a sip of water. Um, I've been talking for fairly long, but, uh, give me just a minute here and I'll be back in 15, 20 seconds. All right, let's talk about Jaden Springer, who um, was absolutely a man of uh, two sides of the ball. Uh, offensively, there's no way to sugarcoat it. He was really rough. He averaged 8.8 points uh, on 37.2% true shooting, 31.8% from the field, 15.4% from three, 71.4% at the line. Um, just as a really whale, he's just a ways off from being, I think, a rotation caliber guy offensively. Um, in his defense, he missed a lot of the mid-range jumpers he hit in college. Um, I don't think necessarily the quality of looks were always where some of them were. Um, but the biggest issue was he's just not comfortable from three. Um, passed up, I want to say, double-digit double digit open threes to take um, tougher, less efficient looks from mid-range. Um, and I think the biggest thing for that is the energy transfer is just is not there from three. Um, he's just not comfortable with it. Um, he does not use his legs enough. He shoots a lot from his shoulders. Um, from deep, and that really makes things tough. Um, you saw him sit, hit the side of the backboard a couple of times uh, in that Hawks game. I think he might have, did he do it once in the Mavericks game as well? Airballed a shot against the Hawks um, from deep. I don't know if it was from deep or it was a long two, but um, point being, anything more than a couple of steps outside that free throw line is not really within his wheelhouse as a, as a shooter um, right now. So that's tough, um, just as a ways off. Had a few nice passing passes, but um, overall, like, the offense is just just not there. Like I, he's just not a rotation guy because of that. Um, I think you know developmentally, what was really encouraging is in college he was almost exclusively a guy who jumped and finished off two feet. And in these four games, you saw him have at least three or four finishes off of one foot, which is really important because it offers more creativity and versatility as a finisher. If you have to always load off two, it allows more helpers, allows the guy you get by to recover, it allows rim protectors to rotate slower. Um, more slowly, and you saw some really impressive finishes there. He won against the Celtics, one against the Hawks, one against the Mavericks as well. And so that's an important developmentally. Not sure how much it really matters right now in terms of being a rotation player for the Sixers because, like I said, the jumper is so far off as a guy who's going to be a spot up player for the most part if he were to get rotation minutes. Um, but long term, I think that does kind of that does really matter how quickly he's able to already show some growth in terms of the way he jumps. Um, just adds more growth or adds more. Versatility, like I said, because he is going to be a slasher at that size. And he can be a pretty dang good finisher, um, but it's going to be important to add that one foot leap into his game as a, as a guard who wants to do a lot of stuff around the rim. So that was encouraging. But again, he's just so far off as a shooter right now. Uh, really needs to grow in terms of his comfort from deep. Um, I don't know about like change mechanics, but I think he's got to get his legs more into them because that's part of why he's much more comfortable shooting from um, – from closer in, I mean, just think about it inherently. 
uh, it's easier to shoot with your upper body from closer in than it, I mean, you, the farther out you go, uh, unless you're just the strongest man in the world when it comes to your shoulders and your and your core and whatnot, um, you're going to have a str- trouble not using your legs from farther out. So getting more comfortable than that over the next you know months, weeks, days, years, whatever kind of time frame you want to you know, uh, attribute there, I think will be really important for his development to become an NBA rotation player offensively because – um, quite frankly, the defense is really freaking awesome. Uh, like, legitimately, it was awesome in college, and that was by no means different than it was. It was the exact same way in, in his four summer league games. Moves so well um, laterally, cut off so many drives on the ball, navigates screens well, too. Was good kind of containing pick and rolls, things like that. Um, was just really, really impressed there. Um, just he just such a good lateral move. It covers ground so effectively. Um, he's strong. He can contain drives. Um, he doesn't bite on fakes. If you want to contrast him and Maxi, there, um, Maxi is still pretty prone to biting on ball fakes and things like that, shot fakes. Um, Springer stays down. He doesn't bite on them. He takes none of that BS. Um, was really impressed with the defense there, and then his interior defense too. Um, I thought as an off-ball guy was really really impressive. Um, he rotated as a low man and pick and rolls, or from the backside on things. Um, it was kind of a sneaky good. Um, you know, in like like rim protector helps the rim protector. You know, altering drives, altering shots at the rim. Um, I thought that was really impressive. Which something he was good at in in college as well. For my kind of what I've read, what I've watched of him, I thought that those have been things that have stood out for a while. But um, I don't know if you like. I just that's not something I don't think everyone would have picked up on. Um, both kind of from reading scouting reports or uh, just watching him. You know, in his four games in Vegas. That's not to diminish anyone's eye for things, but. Um, just kind of surprised me a little bit how quickly that, that sort of part of his game translated. I thought he did a really good job of influencing shots around the rim with his size and verticality and things like that. Um, had one really nice vert, like verticality play, I think, in the Hawks game on tra- in transition. Um, so I was really impressed there. Um, his, hand, his hands are so strong um, on trying to play for digs and stunts, things like that, um, causing loose balls. Only, you know, only had about three steals in, in these four games, I think, you know, let me double check there, but yeah, uh, three steals, but uh, steals, I don't think by any means are, you know, the, the measure of kind of defensive havoc, things like that, or the, the end all be all that can be a component of it, but should never be the, the, uh, can we treat it as cannon or cannon cannon. Um, but yeah, just really, really impressed with the defense. Um, I don't think it's going to be enough to earn him rotation minutes because of how far off the offense is. The other thing about the offense is the handle was pretty choppy. He had to end a lot of drives early because he couldn't, navigate past a stunt from the wing um, or he would just kind of lose the ball. He would dribble it high and someone would poke it loose and kind of um, just end what he was trying to do as a creator. So um, for me with Springer, the big things are tightening that handle, getting more comfortable from three, um, kind of being able to pair the, the threat of the outside jumper with getting to the mid-range for self-creation, um, getting to the mid-range to show all of his interior passing. You know, when I had Daniel Olinger on a couple weeks ago after the draft, we talked a lot about or talked extensively about um, his ability as an interior passer, threading passes through through narrow windows, things like that. And so I think if he's able to become more confident from three um, and use his strength and whatnot, um, that'll open up the slashing and the, the mid-range pull-up and the, the interior passing. So um, Springer feels a little ways off from being a rotation guy. Like I think if you're comparing the NBA readiness of him versus Maxi last year, um, I think Maxie's definitely ahead of that, ahead of things there, just because of how much better he was offensive as self-creator and whatnot. Um, and so that's that's where I stand about Springer, but was really really impressed with the defense. Like I do think if the 
the offense comes along, he's going to be an awesome, awesome defender because of how good he is on and off the ball already. You saw it at Tennessee, and you saw it in these four games of summer league. Um, of course, neither are an NBA con- or neither are you know reflective of a regular season NBA context. But um, you can only work with so much, and I think what you've seen from Springer and now two varying contexts are really, really encouraging. And the two, the the, the improving comfort as a one foot leaper is important too with his offense. So, um, not going to call him a, a, a project or anything, but I think he remains a work in progress offensively. But if if the offense gets to a, a viable quota or threshold, um, I think you're going to really see him be a useful rotation player because of how good the defense is. Um, but yeah, but there is, but he has a ways to go to, to reach that point as a tenable offensive player right now. Um, when I say ways, I don't think, I don't mean it as like, it's by any means an impossible or unattainable path. He just has to get a lot more comfortable as a spot up shooter from three um, and, and use his legs a little more and, and kind of improve or, um, but what's, what's the way tighten up or clean up that, uh, that energy transfer. And when I say energy transfer, I just mean kind of watching the rhythm of his, of his gather and his jumper. It doesn't quite look as fluid from three as you'd like, as it does from mid range. You can just go watch, just go watch one mid range jumper off the dribble from him in summer league versus one, three. You can tell kind of how much uh, more aesthetically pleasing and natural the, the mid range jumper looks. So uh, my, my, my verdict on, on Jaden Springer is the defense is really, really awesome, but, um, the offense kind of prevents him from amplify or magnifying. Nope, neither of the words I was looking for. Showcasing that defense in a rotation player role right now, but I think he can get there. I just don't. I don't expect it to be. Um, I don't expect it to happen. It, I don't want to say this season because you know he's guys are so young and the way he, I think he can improve, but I don't expect it to happen fairly. Like I wouldn't expect him to be fa- fairly up the depth chart um, in a way that Maxi was to kick off things. So. Um, that's kind of my take on the four biggest or most important guys on the Sixers summer league roster. Again, I'll be back on Tuesday to talk about Philip Petrushev, Aaron Henry, Rayshon Tucker, and maybe Dacia Nixon, Braxton Key, if people are interested in that. A couple of guys with thought pop. But those are my kind of thoughts on Maxi, Joe, B-Ball, Paul, and Jaden Springer um, and kind of how they played in summer league, how I think it pertains to their development and how I think it matters in terms of them potentially being rotation guys this year. Um, Lucas is a huge B-Ball, Paul guy. Uh, yeah, he's a hard guy not to like. I totally get that. Um, so uh, I'll be back again tomorrow. I hope this was insightful. This will also be a podcast uh, on the house that he built. It's been about a week since I did a podcast, but I'll be back. So if you missed the first part of this and you want to hear my thoughts on a certain player, um, you know this will be up on wherever you get your your, your uh, podcasts and within probably about an hour or so. Um, but I appreciate the support. Um, again, I'll be back tomorrow. Talk more six or somebody, and then we'll uh, – Figure out what to talk about for about a month and a half or so before uh, before uh, training camp and whatnot. But um, appreciate everyone's support. Hope this was insightful. Um, please review and subscribe where you get your podcast. Your support means a ton. Um, be back tomorrow. In the meantime, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. I will talk to all of you again soon.